The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 230 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And apologize, uh, an apology is due for all of our listeners. Uh, like I said, that an apology. Just got to rip the band-aid off. Um, we're 230 episodes in now. The podcast has been going on about four and a half years. And this is, I can honestly say, the first time I've ever felt like maybe we had a hand at killing somebody. Wow. Uh, Chase. I, I just got to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, beloved American pop culture icon Bob Barker passed away last week at the age of 99 and three quarters. Um, as somebody made a joke, of course, you know, he had to be the closest to 100 without going over. That is a good one. Who made that joke? Twitter? I, I, the internet at large. Um, but we actually ended the show talking about Barker and how Babe Ruth had 476 home runs in our life in his lifetime. It's the first and only time we've ever mentioned Bob at the sh- on the show, and uh, he is no longer with us. Um, so a homework assignment for everybody. If you don't want to watch baseball, especially if you're a Yankee fan and you are just done with the team like we are, Go watch The Price is Right um, or just watch in Happy Gilmore when he fights Adam Sandler because it's one of the funniest movie scenes ever. One of the best movies ever. Happy Gilmore is uh, the best. So Happy Gilmore, I I have nothing but positive things to say about Happy Gilmore. Yeah, so RIP to Bob Barker. Some pretty brutal news in the baseball world. Um, Shohei Otani tore his UCL for the second time. Just right around six weeks away from what was shaping up to be the biggest free agency in baseball history. We'll talk about that. We will talk about Jerry Reinsdorf going against his usual MO and actually firing people. He is a notoriously loyal owner. We'll talk about Steven Strasburg's career officially coming to an end due to injuries and much more. Uh, but first we will start with our Bovada sportsbook.com pick of the week. There's not a lot of pitching matchups. I love tonight. A um, lot of overs today. So we're just going to go with this one because I want to get your reaction because some would say it's the best pitcher in the National League versus the worst pitcher in the National League. Oh, Chase. Padres Padres Cardinals in St. Louis. Blake Snell on the bump for the Pods. Wainwright for the Cardinals. Minus one half, minus 137, minus 210 for the Padres. Plus one half, plus 114, plus 176 for the Cardinals. And the over-under is nine. I would go under nine there. I don't think Wainwright gives up that many runs, and I think Snell holds them at bay. I will take you, Chase. I'll, th- I'll bet you ten bucks. Is that a real pick? You're taking the under in a Wainwright start? No. I'll bet you. I'll bet you ten bucks. I'll go off Bovada. Just do ten dollars off it. I'm taking the over. Decline. <laughs> Chase, <laughs> pick integrity. I'm I'm loyal. I'm loyal to my guy. Um, all right. The other game we'll pick is an actual pivotal series: the Cubs and the Brewers. Um, Cubs are, I believe, four games back. I'll fact check myself when we do the standings shortly. Um, but this is a huge series for the Cubs. Brewers now have a four-game lead in the division. Uh, Wade Miley on the bump for the Brewers. Wade Miley, who it just feels like year after year, pitches for playoff teams. Uh, on yeah. the mound, 
on the mound for the Brewers. Jamison Tyon for the Cubs. Games at Wrigley. Plus one and a half, minus 188, plus 106 for the Brewers. Minus one and a half, plus 155, minus 124 for the Cubs. I'm going to go over nine plus 100 in this game. Give me the Cubbies. All right, you want to do one more? I do them all. All right, last one we'll do is D-backs, Dodgers. First place, Dodgers. Cy Young favorite, Zach Gallon for the D-backs. Bobby Miller on the map for the Dodgers. Games at Dodger Stadium, plus one and a half, minus 166, plus 124. Uh, over eight and a half is minus 106. And then for the Dodgers, minus one and a half, plus 138, minus 146. Um, I like the Dodgers money line here. This Dodgers offense just looks epic. Dodgers offense, good. Gallant. This is the type of start, though, that a gallon could just could. I, I think Dodgers win this game, but if Arizona were to win it, this is the type of start at this point of the season that could actually uh, could justify Gallon being the favorite in the NL side. It's it's very similar. It's very similar, and I'm going to work it in now because there weren't many positives for the Yankees this week. Um, I still, thought we were. I thought we were done talking about the Yankees. Never. Still haven't won a. I'm not going to talk about it in the standings. Still haven't won a series since July 1st. But Garrett, after getting lit up by the Red Sox, um, firmly cementing himself as the ALC young favorite again. Seven and two thirds, one earned, double the strikeout. So that was cool there. Um, standings, AL East, uh, Orioles 81 and 49 are only two games up on the Rays, who are 80 and 52. Blue Jays 71 and 60 are 10 and a half back. Red Sox 69 and 62 rounding out the division, or rounding out fourth place. Yanks rounding out the division 62 and 68, a whopping 19 games back and two and eight in their last 10. <sighs> I guess now's as good of a time as any to talk about the injury. You know, the, the Orioles have kind of been on cruise control. Closer Felix Bautista, though, uh, Friday night goes down with a uh, – sounds like a partially torn UCL. He's on the 15-day injury list. They don't know if he's going to need surgery. But at a minimum, you and I were discussing this yesterday on our walk from Fidei uptown. It sounds like Felix Bautista will not be pitching this year again. Um, and to me, honestly – I know the Orioles' bullpen has been incredible, but Yanir Cano takes over as the closer. Actually blew the save yesterday. He didn't um, blow the save. It was tied. I believe it was tied, and he, uh, he gave up a run. All right, well, took an L. Um, so did not escape the game with the save. This, this to me, feels like, every, despite every how great I feel about the Orioles, this, to me, feels like, with a little over a month ago, an injury that actually could swing um, this division. Because the Rays have just kept hanging around. Um, Glass now and Eflin have been really good in the rotation. The lineup's getting, you know, contributions from a lot of unheralded names. Um, the like, Lowe brothers are crushing it. Well, I mean, or like Isaac Paredes and Jose Yanni C Diaz is going to lead the AL in hitting. Yanni Diaz is going to lead the AL in hitting. And Isaac, Isaac Paredes and uh, Jose Siri, I think both have at a minimum like 23 plus homers. Um so I, I don't know. Bautista's again, Bautista's a guy who for contact has been so dominant that you and I spent the better part of the past two months trying to justify a way he could win the Cy Young Award. He's been that good. It's and basically uh, it's a good thing I haven't been to New Jersey lately because I would have given Bavada tons of money on the Bautista Cy Young thing. It seems like this is an injury that could swing this division. And as great as Baltimore's been, even if you look at the lineup. You know, Gunner's been really good. Mountcastle's been really good. Adley's been okay in the second half. Um, I don't know. If I'm an Orioles fan, I'm I'm a little bit on pins and needles because you could get away with having a rotation that was pieced together 
because you knew the game was going into the ninth, it was over. And now I don't feel like that's the case. Shout out to Kyle Bradish, though. Stug the books. So the books still have the Orioles as minus 280 to win the East and Tampa at plus 210. Interesting. Have you looked at either schedule? I have not. Yeah. I but I know that Baltimore just kind of, I mean, Baltimore had a, you can't lose games to Colorado in the division. I mean, they have a series with Chicago coming up. Baltimore does, and Tampa appears to be playing Miami. So that's something. And then Tampa goes to Cleveland and Baltimore at Arizona. So, again, it's only a two-game lead. I would still think ball. I would take Baltimore because they have the upper hand now. And as good as Batista has been, I I feel like they can write the ship down there. Vibes, vibes are too high. The vibes are too high with this team to, to blow it now. Yeah, I'm also <laughs> going to give one random shout-out real quick because we've talked about how Batista's been the uh, unquestioned best reliever in baseball, but – Shout out to Josh Hader, who's got a .81 ERA and has given up a run in like three months. Got a .81 ERA? Yeah, I feel like we've kind of glossed over that one. Honestly, why is San Diego so bad? Could be a Juan Soto character thing. I don't know. The honest answer, I could sum it up really quick. No one in the offense has clicked at the same time. Um, and pitching wise, Darvish has been mad. Musgrove got hurt, and as great as Snell was or has been the last like three months, the first two months he was mad. Then they didn't really have a four or five starter. Forty-seven in forty-seven appearances, Hater has a point eight one ERA. My God. Yeah, I mean he's gonna I think shatter the Edwin Diaz closer contract that got set this year. Where do you think he goes? a good question i don't know because it's got to be a team that's willing to commit to paying a closer that much money i i would think i think he's we spoke about this yesterday off we won't do a deep dive on the padres but I th- the guy they like they should like oh so they should just bring him bring back hater and bring back snow you know where i'm sending hater and once and for all they're going to solve their closer problems and they've gotten a good year out of craig kimbrell and made the all-star team but let him just go to Philly, and hopefully we never have to talk about the Philly bullpen again. We haven't talked about it at all this year. Yeah, it's been good for the most part. But imagine you have Alvarado and Hayter going 8-9 from the left side. <laughs> With a little Sir Anthony Dominguez mixed in there. Maybe Rangers Suarez. You only need to – your starters only need to go five innings. Lot to digest there. AL Central, not much to talk about. Twins, 68 and 63, 6 <laughs> and 62 and 59 retirement lookout big article on the athletic about terry maybe retiring we'll see if he wraps up his hall of fame career this year tigers white Sox, royals rounding out the division there um the seattle mariners rattled off their second eight game winning streak in the month of august this past week they are nine to one in their last 10 um through august 15th the mariners were seven and a half games out and just nine games later um, they are now in first place. It is the largest deficit race by any MLB teams and fewer than 10 games to reach first since the Dodgers in August 1982. Uh, Rangers and Astros are tied for second a game back. Who would I say? Rangers and I, I don't know why you're, you're giving me that. There was a weird audio thing on your end. It may have been a my computer problem, but you cut out entirely. Oh, I was just talking about the Rangers and the Astros. Um, Angels are in fourth. Oakland rounding out the division there. 
this Mariners team feels like they got the juice to maybe hold off the two Texas teams. Um, the guys who did not hit in the first half, mainly Julio and Teoscar, have done nothing but hit in the second half. Again, good production from the likes of Ty France, Cal Raleigh, et cetera. Haven't really missed a beat since they traded uh, Paul Seawald in the back of the bullpen there. Um, and Castillo, Gilbert, and Kirby have been really good. Look, they don't have the names, but it just feels like this team's very fun and loose. Texas on the flip side, they're one and nine in their last 10. Feels like maybe they're feeling the heat a little bit as great as Scherzer has been at the deadline. Um, but again, I mean, three teams all within a game of each other with September right around the corner. This is what it's all about. And as an Angels fan, you just have to be bashing your head repeatedly against the door. Well, what could they have done if you were an Angels? Could they have been the team to get Scherzer? They did, they, every, they did everything right. They went and got another starter. They got Ronaldo Lopez, who's been good for them. Uh, Gritchick, Crone, they made the right moves. It's just, you know, sometimes dominoes don't fall your way. No, and in, this, uh, in this case, they like the dominoes fell off a mountain. For whatever it's worth, my preseason AL West, I had uh, Seattle, Houston, Texas in that order. Good to know somebody knows what they're talking about here. Uh, NL East Braves, 84 and 45, 12 and, up, 12 and a half up on the Phillies, 72 and 58. Marlins, 66 and 65, uh, 19 back. Uh, Nats, 61 and 70 in fourth place. Uh, they're ahead of the Mets, and they actually at this point in the season are only a win behind the Yankees. What were the Bavada odds coming into the year you think we could have gone and that the Nationals would have a better record than both of the New York teams potentially? What about good odds? Definitely. Uh, but the both the York teams had the season from out. And I really don't think – uh, you couldn't see a comment right now. It's just, it's just been an abject disaster on both sides. And the, Washington's – Washington was projected to win like 45 games. They were supposed to be in god-awful team year one of full rebuild. But they're scrappy. I mean, the, the two things I'll say in the East, um, one, this Braves lineup, we've said it time and time again, but uh, what did we count yesterday? Seven guys who could be 20-plus homers, or was it eight? I, th- I think they already have seven. And uh, if Michael Harris gets five more homers, or Ar- maybe Arcia needs five more to get to 20. It's ridiculous. It's They mash. They're great. They're in Colorado this week, so – if you could find a series, just bet them to sweep the Rockies, bet the over all the games. One one thing I'll say about the Nationals, and it was really highlighted to me based on what we did at the end of the podcast. Um, was it last week when we reevaluated the superstar trades? Yes, right? Yeah. Like they traded Soto. And again, you said this to me the other day and you were spot on. They had a lot of stars to trade, which is absolutely true. I mean, Lester, Scherzer, uh, Trey Turner, Schwarber. Soda. But all that said, you look at those examples of all the other teams we got, they didn't get a ton of guys who contributed to the big league level. You look at this National League, this Nationals team now, uh, Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, they're one, two. Josiah Gray made the all-star team. Kerber Ruiz got an eight-year extension. C.J. Abrams looked like, looks like a very good leadoff hitter of the future. It's short. Lance Thomas, like, yeah, they traded all their stars, but they have guys who have come in and started to produce right away. So I, I think that's the reason for the Nationals, uh, being a little bit ahead of schedule, honestly. You know that they're, they're a classic example of teams show up and play them, and they kind of take them. They they they, they sleep on the Nationals. 
watching the Nationals actually play in person last week against the Yankees, I kind of left understanding like, okay, I get why they gave Davey Martinez and Rizzo. I, I mean, Rizzo, I think the track record kind of speaks for itself, but more Davey Martinez an extension because these young guys are showing up to play for him for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, he's a, he, he's a World Series manager. He's mad, he was Madden's guy. NL Central, Brewers 73 and 57 are four up on the Cubs. Reds six back, Pirates 15 and a half back, Cardinals still in last place, bang on the division there. I've loved the Cubs. I've loved the Reds. It's different points of the year, but uh, I, I think this is the Brewers division to win as long as they take care of business with the Cubs. And I said this to you yesterday in that wild card round, the Brewers are to me the most dangerous team there. I mean, the Phillies lineup is incredible, and you know Wheeler and Nola and Lorenzo is nothing to scoff at. But in a three-game series, other than the Braves, I don't think there's a team I'm taking one, two, three pitching wise in the entire National League over. You take the Braves one, two, three. Who? You would take the Braves one, two, three over the Brewers. Yeah, I take Strider for Eden Morton. It's also playoff Charlie. That's true. Um, Other than that, though, those three guys, the way they're pitching right now. Brewers can maybe, you know, make some noise. Um, but I think at a minimum, they are going to end up winning this division again. Yeah, I think uh, they could start printing, the sh- designing the T-shirts in Milwaukee, whatever it is. We run the Central. We are the Central. We're the best of the worst. Well, I think that's the AL Central at this point. The NL Central at least has teams fighting for playoff spots late. That's fair. Um, and then in the NL West, I mean, the Dodgers, it's amazing how much in the second half the Dodgers have just run away with this division. 80 and 49, only four games back at the Braves for the best record in the division. Dodgers are doing Dodger stuff. Uh, we kind of knew it was going to happen. I think Lance Lynn, I read, is like 4-0 with a ERA below three since he's been a Dodger. Um, D-backs, though, big week, 8-2 and two back in the playoffs, 69 and 62. Um, the Giants are 13 and a half back. Padres, 61 and 70, 20 back. Rockies rounding out the division there. Go to the wild card. It is Tampa, Texas, Houston uh, in the American League with Toronto two and a half back. Red Sox four and a half back. Angels and Yanks ten plus. Uh, to me, the AL playoff field, uh, especially with Toronto to, uh, losing Matt Chapman to injury today, and again they they're just a team that hasn't ever felt like they really kicked it into gear. Um, I think the AL West is going to be the team, the division with the three playoff teams this year. It, it certainly looks that way. I don't think. You you wouldn't bet on Houston or Texas to fall out, and the way Seattle's the team you probably, I probably like the least of those three, and they don't lose. I think right now in the American League and National League, actually the playoff picture is how it's going to be. Um, I think the D-backs will hop the Cubs in the NL wild card order the way they're pitching right now, playing right now and pitching. Um, but I think Braves, Dodgers, Brewers are the division winners, and then I think it'll be Cubs. Now it's Phillies, Cubs, D-backs. I think it'll be Phillies, D-backs, Cubs, but. Uh, the Giants and Reds are one and a half back. The Marlins are still in it three games back. Um, I, I just think at the end of the day, Cubs lineup's looking really good, and Steels emerges an NL Cy Young favorite. D-backs are hitting just enough, but Gallon and Merrill Kelly have been so incredible all year. Sewell has anchored that bullpen. And uh, the Reds, I just don't think, have the pitching. The Marlins, I don't think they do both things well enough at one time. At any point, and uh, I've made it very clear. I just said the Giants are the definition of a Mac team. You never, you have, you have never bought in on the Giants. They don't have one All Star hitter. 
Um, like even when they did this a couple years ago, you still had Posey as the anchor. And and pitching wise, I mean Logan Webb's their best pitcher. He's three five ERA. Duvall blew three saves last week. I I I couldn't tell you who it's going to be, but I feel like someone's falling out. We'll see. All right. I would one of the. I would probably put them in over the. And I want Arizona to win. I want Arizona in. I just. It's a week by week thing. They got tough. They got Dodgers and Orioles. That's tough. All right, league leaders. Um, Acuna is still the heavy Bavada favorite to win the MVP. Whoa. Oh, no, not anymore. I haven't checked in a bit. I'm on ESPN.com. Give me, give me, give me some new odds because I'm going to be in Jersey this week and I'm going to take my man. There's a the headline of the article is uh, Mookie Betts odds on favorite to win NL MVP. He's minus one thirty five. So you said this well the other day. It's not so much that Mookie lost or that Ronald won lost the MVP. Um, but I think it's more just Mookie is going out and grabbing it by the balls. And Freddie is going to be one of the best third place MVP finishers we've had in a very long time. Uh, Mookie is just on fire since the break. But I mean, looking at the league leaders, run scored Acuna, Mookie, Freddie are one, two, three. Acuna's got that with 115 runs. Freddie is one with 175 hits. Acuna's two. Mookie is tied for third. Doubles, Freddie, this is the biggest gap of many in baseball. Freddie's got 50 doubles. Second is 37. For whatever it's worth, though, Mookie is third. Uh, triples is Corbin Carroll, Shohei, and Witt with eight. Shohei's 44 homers. Matt Olson's one behind. Uh, Mookie's got 35. Acuna's got 28. Freddie's a little bit further down there. RBIs, Matt Olson is crushing the rest of baseball with 112 ribbies. Of our trio, though, Mookie is in first with 93 ribbies. Uh, walks is Soto with 109 steals Acuna 59 is blowing the other two out of the water. Amazingly enough, Freddie has more steals than Mookie. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> no average. Yeah. I mean, the, the crazy part is when you think of how, like to credit to how well Freddie's been hitting all year, like Arias might not win the batting title. Well, I'm reading this ESPN article since August 17th, Mookie's hitting 550. Arias, 350 average. Freddie in second, 341. Freddie, 417 on base. Ronald second. Shohei leading in slugging, but Mookie is second. And then OPS, Shohei is first. Mookie's in second. Both are the only guys above 1,000. Uh, if Mookie wins the MVP, he'll be the second player ever to win the MVP in both leagues. Well, I mean, can we talk about that hypothetical? If Mookie does win this MVP, Cooper's down. I think he's in Cooper's town already. Is he a top 20 player ever? No, nah, he needs more, I think, longevity for that. But um, I, two MVPs. Two well, MVPs. not only that, it would be two MVPs and a ring for probably two of the two of the four iconic franchises in the sport. He there's a with six gold gloves, a batting title. I. Is he the best player of the generation? I think that's fair to say. I think you, with another MVP, I'd put him ahead of Trout. I'd put him ahead of Harper. I don't even know who is in the discussion. The defensive, Tani, the defensive versatility just makes it huge. It's the, the, the versatility is great, but when you put him in right field first, he wins a gold glove. Yep. So bet on Mookie to win the MVP. And then my other Bavada bet when I'm back in Jersey is going to be Spencer Strider to win the Cy Young. Um, 
ERA is down to three four six. WHIP is down to one point oh six. It's leading baseball with fifteen wins and two hundred thirty six strikeouts. Um, the next closest guy for strikeouts is forty away, and is Kevin Gausman. I think Strider's just going to keep winning down the stretch. You got to avoid the one blow up start, but uh, if you lead, if you lead the National League and wins and strikeouts, and he's also currently. He is currently leading the National League in whip as well. So if you lead the league in whip, strikeouts, and wins, I don't really – for the best team in baseball, I don't really see a path where you lose the Cy Young. Well, especially if the writers are going to give – if they're going to give Mookie the MVP, you have to reward this Braves team somehow. Yeah. I guess it would be kind of funny to reward them on the pitching side. ERA, Snell leading baseball with uh, 273 ERA. Complete game, Sandy Jordan Lyles with three. Saves Emmanuel Class, Alexis Diaz, and Camilo Dalal with 34 pop. Innings pitch, Logan Webb, 174 and a third. Strikeout leader, Strider with 236. Whip leader uh, at one is Luis Castillo. Uh, Mariners, one, two in that. Castillo and George Kirby. Castillo is probably the greatest threat to Cole to win the Cy Young as of this moment. Yeah. Um, they both have 11 wins. Um, Cole's thrown four more innings. Cole's ERA is .06 higher. Same amount of strikeouts, whips are essentially the same. So that'll be an interesting race down the stretch. I guess the so smart money is bet on Castillo if these numbers are that identical. Yeah, I would say tie goes to the playoff team. All right, let's talk players. It that way for Cy Young, huh? It doesn't always work that way for the Cy Young. Yeah, but if Castillo has some big starts for the stretch, that allows them to win the division. I'm like, not disagreeing. I'm just saying the way it- – no, I agree. In the grand scheme of things, Garrett, the only thing he has to pitch for is the Cy Young. The pitch for it, Garrett. All right. Players of the week, El Capitan. I decided to go to the Yankee game last week for nine bucks on Wednesday against the Nationals. Judge had a three-homer game and a 9-1 victory against the Nats. He, the Yanks avoided their first 10-game losing streak since 1913. Uh, it was 25th, 26th, 27th homers of the season. He tied a career high with six RBIs. Um, and he was his first home run broke a stretch of 61 innings in which the Yankees had not held the lead. Uh, first Yankee three homer game since Rizzo in April 2022. Mookie, second career five hit game against the Guardians. It was spread out over two days, but it's the first five hit game by a Dodgers. It's Justin Turner in 2019. Everyone go look at Justin Turner's numbers all year, uh, this year too. Because if you had told me he was going to hit 290 with like 25 home runs and 100 ribbies for the Red Sox, probably would have said you were wrong. It was a great move. I know it's not a trade, but worked the, out uh, for everybody. The the de facto trade of Turner for JD win win. Everybody won. A uh, couple pitcher player of the weeks: Charlie Morton in a three nothing win, or excuse me, uh, a seven nothing win versus the Mets Wednesday at Truist Park. Uh, two hits, seven innings, um, eighteen scoreless innings over his last three starts, and struck out eleven. We're rounding into playoff Charlie form. Uh, amazing how much what he's done as a late bloomer when you think about it. I mean, it happens that way. You can see that. It happens in baseball. You get weird shit like this. It's nice. Nola, Aaron Nola, one hit, one walk, seven scores against the Cardinals Sunday. Tied Kurt Schilling for fifth place in franchise history with 1,554 strikeouts. Uh, retired 13 and eight batters in a row at one point. Merrill Kelly, the 32-year-old right-hander, tied his career high with 12 strikeouts over seven scores innings, allowing just one hit and a 3-2 win over the Reds. Um, at Chase Field, Brandon Woodruff, he went six innings, uh, six and a third, one run, 11 strikeouts and a seventh victory against the Padres Friday. 
Uh, multi-homer games this week. Teoscar Hernandez against the Royals. Zach Martini versus the D-backs. TJ LeMahieu versus the Rays. Shea Langer leading versus the White Sox. Michael Taylor versus the Rangers. Anthony Santana versus the Blue Jays. Ozuna versus the Mets. Chaz McCormick versus the Red Sox. Andy Abanez versus the Cubs. And Cal Raleigh versus the White Sox. And our last game of the week is going to be Astros versus Tigers. Um, Astros had 25 hits, 17-4 to four win in that game. But it allowed Verlander and Miggity square off one last time. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, homer later in the game, number 510, allowed him to pass Gary Sheffield for 26th on the all-time list. Uh, and Verlander won his 100th game at Comerica Park and became the sixth pitcher in the last 50 years with 100 wins at a single ballpark. It's nice. This is not the farewell season Pujols had for Miggy, but he's hitting homers again. The Pujols part was great because he was mashing homers for a playoff team. At a ridiculous rate by the end of it. Like Paul Goldschmidt won the MVP and in August and September, Albert Pujols was probably their best hitter. It's an atrocity that he's not the uh, that he didn't get the silver slugger last year. Who to get Josh Bell? I think so. It's a damn shame the pools didn't. No, they didn't even give it to a star. It's not like they even gave it to like Harper, where it would have been like okay, whatever. You gave it to Harper, like you gave it to Josh Bell. Uh, poor pools. That one writer is going to keep him. Is pools a unanimous Hall of Famer? No, because some dumb writer will be like, oh, there were rumors one time that, you know, he was on roids or is actually like 55 years old, yada, yada, yada. That's what dicks do, Chase. I, I don't agree with you, but a lot of baseball writers are dicks. Stop being dicks, guys. All right. Let out in the hall, unanimously. Let's talk about the biggest bummer for me as a baseball fan in a very long time. Uh, Shohei Otani was diagnosed with a tear in the UCL of his pitching elbow. He will not pitch again this year. It is unclear if he's going to require surgery. He's going to get a second opinion before making a decision. Um, he started the first game of a doubleheader this week against the Reds. He's part in the second inning with what was initially announced as arm fatigue. Uh, he underwent imaging between games and learned of the ligament damage. Nonetheless, though, he played in the nightcap as a DH going one for five. A complete UCL tear usually requires Tommy John surgery. Partial tears, though, can sometimes be resolved by either a less invasive internal brace procedure or non-surgical rehab altogether. We saw this with Tanaka um, a couple of years ago for the Yankees. He got some plate uh, platelet injections into his elbow, um, and he was able to pitch the rest of the season. Um, even if he avoids undergoing the night, though, it's a seismic development for the market's top of pending free agent. I, I mean, at a minimum, he'll be very limited pitching next year. In all likelihood, though, he's not pitching until 2025. Um, and the scariest part is um, he was diagnosed. This is a second UCL tear. He was diagnosed with a tear at the end of his rookie season in 2019. Underwent TJ that year, so he was a DH for all of 19 and only pitched twice during the shortened 2020 season. 2021, though, he came back as an ace, won his first MVP in the process. Um, and over the last three seasons, he owns a 2.85 ERA and 427 innings. Finished fourth in the Cy Young voting a year ago with a 2.33 ERA while striking out just in, uh, under a third of his opponents in 166 innings. This year, I mean, look, you could tell he's kind of been battling injuries the whole season, and we'll touch on that in a second. But 22 starts, 317 ERA, and 130 and two-thirds frames. Saw an excellent 31.4% uh, strikeout rate. Walk rate was a little high, 10.3. Um, but again, he's still going to work as a DH. He has 44 homers leading the league. Slash line, he's still got a 300, 400, 600 slash line. So incredible numbers there. Um, but I don't know how you reacted when you got the news, but I, I saw this. I happened to be up late at night, just like lying in bed, watching Instagram reels, doing nothing productive in particular. 
Um, and when I saw this, I just fired off a bunch of texts, one of which was to you and my dad. And this just sucks. No other way around it. Well, I, you took the you took the emotional standpoint. I thought of it more pra- practical. I don't know what the his contract is going to be changed. He's not. He went from a number that no one was ever going to see again to a breakable free agent contract. I still think the floor is five hundred million dollars. I can you he's really? That, he's that good offensively that I still think his offensive game is going to age well. And even if you just get the chance that he's going to pitch again, you run the you run the risk. I at at what cost though? If like you saw Harper came back from Tommy John and is now playing in the field again, but Harper's value is at the plate. Shohei is as good; he's a better hitter than Harper. But you're not just coming. You're not paying him just to be a hitter. You're paying him for the Shohei Otani experience. You're paying him so you have the best player we've ever seen. I look at it at this point, like if if Corey Seager got three hundred twenty-five million, I'm comfortable going splitting it up to three fifty for the hitting. And again, is one hundred fifty million an incredible risk for a guy who you don't know what he's going to look like pitching wise? Sure, but again, you're getting the total package. You're getting the marketing that comes with him, the added value there. You're getting the spectacle of Shohei. Um, and I think honestly, he's going to come back and be an effective starter. I think the second Tommy John is obviously scary, but you know, Walker Bueller is almost on his way back. Avaldi was uh, on the all-star team this year. There's, there's guys who have now overcome this where it's not like a few years ago, or if you got the second Tommy John, your career was over. You're yeah. Is a second Tommy John surgery a death sentence for pitchers now? No, it is not. But it is still so scary to sign a guy who has two Tommy Johns. Like it's just it's petrifying. Two Tommy Johns. Like it's you're running out of ligaments. Like yeah, to to me, um I, I mean I have a couple other thoughts. I the one kind of silver lining of this, if you're an Angels fan, is I actually do think this increases is that chance of re-signing. Um I also think I guess I have, that was the next Does this hurt help or hurt? Him or the team? The Angels. I think it helps the Angels. It obviously hurts him. But at the same time, though, I think there will also be new suitors that wouldn't have been there before. Um, because, again, like five, say it was $500 million, That's still an astronomical amount of money, but it's not a billion. It's not $750 million. So I, I do think it'll bring – Not even $600 million. Yeah, I think it'll bring other teams to the dance, which makes it interesting. Uh, but my two other thoughts – I mean, Shoei has left – many starts this year with various ailments and injuries and the UCL didn't actually give out until the start against the Reds this week. This was the first imaging though. He's gotten on his elbow the entire season. And I guess my question for you is, you know, there was a report that Otani had constantly said, I don't want the imaging, but at what point do you as ownership, as the manager, the managerial staff of the Angels, step in and go, you're getting this. Uh, Cause to me, I'm not going to say this is preventable. His elbow may have been a ticking time bomb, but it's kind of crazy to me that this is the first time, given he's left the starts with arm fatigue, cramps, so many different ailments this year, that this is the first time he got any imaging of any kind. He's a kind of. If you didn't want the imaging, he wasn't going to get the imaging. I think you have to, you have to pamper this guy if you're the angels. You, I, know. I think at a certain point you put your foot down and be like, look, we're looking out for your best interest here. Just go get the precautionary x-ray. <sighs> 
I I don't know. I, I if he he you do whatever that guy says. If he says no imaging, no imaging. It's hard. You don't treat, you, don't, you don't treat everyone the same. No, it's that's, hard. That's a misconception that they teach you as a kid. Not everyone gets treated the same. Where do you think there's any way? My dad's spoken to me about this a lot, and he's kind of had this theory since watching Shohei come out at Penn in the WBC. I think, uh, again, the UCL tear, it could lend itself to him being a shutdown relief pitcher um, when he comes back, which obviously doesn't have as much value as a starter. But if you have a guy hitting 40 home runs while also getting 40 saves, there's still some extreme value in that. Do you think the new 40 40 club? The most unlikely of all the 40 40 clubs, I would say. Do you think logistically, though, that's possible within the flow of a major league game? Because the what? problem is, say he needs to warm – say he's up in the top of the ninth and is going to come in in the bottom of the ninth. He's hitting second that inning, and he needs to warm up for the bottom half of the inning. Is this doable? Like, I, I don't know how – it's either A, he doesn't get the proper warm-ups in, or B, you're pitch hitting for one of your pitch best hitters who you played all this money for. Huh. Because it kind of makes sense as a potential career arc, but I just don't know if it's feasible. I'm sure it's feasible. You give, again, he would be, unless he goes to the Dodgers or the Braves, he's the best hitter on whatever team he goes to. So you make it work. I don't, you can sacrifice the basketball. Here are my two questions with Otani. Um, Question one, after this injury, where is he going and how much in your opinion? I was so convinced he was going to stay. But so I still think he's gonna stay, but that's not fun. That's bad podcasting. Uh, the team you and I talked about yesterday, I think he ends up in Chicago. I think he is the piece. Uh, I think he's exactly he's exactly what the Cubs need on both sides of both sides of the field. Ten years, four hundred seventy-five million dollars, staying in the AL West. Okay, you said five hundred is the floor. All right, ten years. Were your million. words. You said ten. it is the. floor. 10 years, $500 million, staying in the AL West and joining the division-leading Seattle Mariners. Keeps them, in the, keeps them in the West Coast. They have an unbelievable history with Asian players. As good of a great young team as any team not named the Atlanta Braves. Why not? Who yeah, says I mean, no? Who says no? I. It's a tough... Like I, it, that it makes all the sense in the world to put him there, but that is a tough, tough, tough pill to swallow if you're an Angels fan. That's almost too tough to imagine him leaving within the. Um, last Otani question: Bavada over under 130 innings pitched in 2025. Under oh 2025. Yeah, yeah, I think oh. next year he's not pitching. Over. Over. Yeah, when he's back, he he's not half-assing it. He's all in. So we know that Otani may or may not be on the move this offseason. It's his choice, but. One team that will have a new decision maker, maybe two, on deciding who will they be, who they will be bringing in this offseason is the Chicago White Sox. And for those of you who have watched the Last Dance documentary, which I would think just about anyone listening to this podcast did probably did during the uh, during the pandemic, you know that White Sox and Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf is loyal uh, to a fault. So when team president Kenny Williams and GM Rick Hahn were relieved of their duties Tuesday, it came as a big surprise. To the baseball community at large, Reinsdorf said this is an incredibly difficult decision for me to make because they're both talented individuals with long-term relationships with the White Sox. 
Um, Ken is like a son to me, and I was always consider him a member of the family. I want to personally thank Ken and Rick for all they've done for the Chicago White Sox, winning the 05 World Series and reaching the postseason multiple times during their tenures. Um, both of them, Kenny Williams played for the White Sox for a few seasons during the 80s and rejoined the club as a scout in 92. Um, he took over as GM heading into the 2021 season and led the baseball ops department uh, for over a decade. They hovered around 500 for his first few years at the helm, but break, broke through in 05 with a 99 win campaign uh, where Ozzy Guillen led the team not only to the AL Central, um, but to the World Series championship. They dropped just one of 12 games and route to that World Series. It was their first championship since 1917, which snapped an 87-year drought. Um, but they'd only made the playoffs once more in 2008 before Williams ceded control of the daily baseball ops to Han after the 2012 campaign. Williams was then promoted to executive VP when Han was the general manager. Uh, and the Sox then slept to a 63-win campaign in 2013, despite signing Jose Abreu, um, remaining below 500 through 2016. And then the thing is, the White Sox kind of did what we talked about the Nationals. They did the rebuild right. Um, they traded Sale, Adam Eden, and Jose Quintana, but they got Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Moncada, Kopech, Cease, Eloy, um, and they joined Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, and Luis Robert for a solid core. And again, when this team um, in 2020 uh, qualified for the postseason and then the next year won the division with 93 wins with Tony La Russa, it felt like this was the next team on the rise. They had this really great young core um, and since then, it's kind of just been a disaster. Last year, they underachieved at a 500 record. La Russa was gone. They set a franchise record with a $75 million free agent record to Andrew Benatendi this year. Um, his power has just all but, evaporate, all but evaporated. They're well below 500 this year. Um, so Reinsdorf made the change. There isn't going to be an interim GM at the moment, but it sounds like internally Chris Getz, um, who was the assistant GM and a former second baseman for the Royals. Um, it sounds like he could be the favorite for the job with somebody like Dayton Moore coming in with experience. But um, what do you make of this change? Do you think Pedro Grifo is going to be there next season? Um, and who would be your guy that you would bring in if you were the White Sox? I, I think Griefo's done. You picked him to win manager of the year this year. I think he's out. And it's really not entirely his fault. It's just if you're a GM, you bring in your guy. And kind of feels like Rick Renteria. Yep. It's just – it's not it, – it, it's, he got the shit end of the deal. It's not it, – it, he's out. I think he's out. Um, yeah, if I was the White Sox, who would I bring in? I, I honestly don't know. I think that situation is such a mess. It's one of the worst situations, I think, in baseball because you have a lot of good players. Uh, you can't really trade them for any value. There's you, There's two – you have they have nothing but underperforming stars on that team. Oh, then I'll, I'll come to Robert's defense. Robert gets hurt and falls off a cliff. Yeah, but this year he's been spectacular. They they can't stay healthy. They can't do it right. They're the second team in their own city. And it's Reinsdorf. You know Reinsdorf's always going to be meddling in the baseball affairs department. Yeah, but the GM's probably set for the next 20. GM's. Settled. If he's hiring me, I'll take the job, and I know I'll be in Chicago next. To me, the no doubt hire, um, because at the end of the day, the White Sox are a big market team. I mean, their payroll was 170 plus million dollars this year, so they're not bad for lack of yeah, spending. But Chase, we talked we talked about this when they signed Ben Attendee. Ben Attendee was the biggest free agent contract they'd ever given out. No, I agree. I mean, they still have, they have a big payroll, even if they're not necessarily a big market team. Um, my first call is to James Click, the former GM of the Astros. I mean, he took over post sign stealing scandal 
got them to game seven of the ALCS in the strikes in the shortened season in 2020, win the pennant in 2021, win the World Series in 2022. Jim Crane's just kind of a dickhead as an owner. So he has an experience with dickhead owners. Um, and this guy's proven uh, to me, he's the best combination I've seen in a very long time as somebody who understands and uses analytics, but also realizes you have to play the game. I mean, he's he's probably the best name on the board. It's weird that he doesn't have a job. It's weird I don't that think he like David. I don't think this is a job that like David Stearns takes or Theo, like someone who's used to complete autonomy. You know, I, if I was them, I'd see what you could. If you think Hinch is long for Detroit? It's hard to say just because he has so little to work with. I just try and break. There's certain organizations you want to pluck from. You want to pluck from the Astros. You want to pluck from the Braves. You want to pluck from the Dodgers. Like, could you get a click hinge combination and just try and rerun the Houston thing in, in Chicago? Yeah, but Hinch, but Hinch never managed for click. Yeah, but they're both Houston guys. Yeah, but they never overlapped. But click was in the system. No, was he click. was not. He was from Tampa. Click was an outside guy that. Oh, but, but, but to your point, though, pluck from the race. <laughs> pluck from the race. There's like, you don't like, that's what, to me, that's why the grief all hire never made sense in the first place. Why are you taking a bench coach from Kansas City? Yeah. If Kansas you're going to take, take a bench coach, take it from somebody who man under, it wasn't even like he was, I don't even think he was Ned Yost's bench coach. He was Matheny. He was Matheny's. Like, why are you taking a shitty manager's? underperforming bench coach to get the job that they, that it doesn't make that sense. doesn't make any sense but but what i mean i think it's a mess i the silver line if you're going to sell that job to a candidate you say we're in the worst division in baseball you come in we got some we got talent here to deal with we're not it's not a complete complete rebuild but i don't know they, their pitching is awful and if cease cease has been a disaster if Cease is going to pitch like this version of Cease, they're in trouble. Let's talk about a guy who retired this week. I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a very long time. And I I think we've even talked about, we've kind of done like the career eulogy already um, when he announced he was injured this year. But um, Steven Strasburg officially announced his retirement this year uh, from the big leagues. Uh, after signing a seven-year, $240 million contract prior to the 2020 season, um, he's only pitched a total since then of 33 and a third innings in four seasons since then. That postseason, he threw 36 and a third innings in 2019. He's thrown fewer innings since. Uh, underwent thoracic outlet syndrome. That's ultimately going to cost him his career. Um, there was no insurance in the contract, so we will continue to be paid $35 million annually through 2026 with $11.4 million deferred each year with 2020, $26.6 million in 2027, 28, and 29 and owed deferred payments. Um this is the guy, like when I think of the most hyped prospects in any sport I've ever seen, it was Andrew Luck in football. It was LeBron. Luck's actually, Luck, Luck's great comparison. It was, it was uh, LeBron in basketball, and it was Strasburg. I mean, that he's 35 years old. Um, just again, I'm not going to go too much into his actual career, but just to paint a picture of how good of a prospect he was as a sophomore, 2008 at San Diego state in 98 in the third innings, he had a one five eight ERA one, three, two and 109 innings as a junior. He's the first overall pick in the 2009 draft. And he signed a four year, $15.1 million contract. And the thing is, you've said this to me time and time again, he came up, um, in June, um, after having a one Oh eight ERA and triple a, and he lived up to the hype. 
In his first start against the Pirates, he went seven innings, two earned run, four hits, 14 strikeouts, had a 2.91 ERA in 68 innings. Um, but then he got Tommy John surgery, and that was kind of the theme of his career. He had the Strasburg rule with the playoffs for injuries. But, I mean, from 12 to 18, he was a, a perennial all-star caliber pitcher. Um, he had a 1.319 ERA over 189 starts, 28.8% strikeout rate, never had a high walk rate, 6.5%. Um Finished in 2012 with 159 and third innings. They shut him down in the postseason. And eventually, he became a 200-inning guy. He had 215 innings in 2014. Uh, pitched solid in the postseason. You know, 15 to 18, battled some injuries. He was still hurt, but never had an ERA higher than 374. Um, never was below 127 in the third innings. In 2016, signed a seven-year, $175 million extension with an opt-down in 2019. And 2019 was the year that ultimately he put his career on the line for the Washington Nationals, led the league with 209 innings, 3-3-2 ERA um, for Nats club that finished 93-69. and 69. In the wild card game um, with the Nats trailing 3-1, he tossed three shutout innings as they took the lead. He was the winning pitcher. Um, and then when the Nats went through the Cardinals, Dodgers, and Astros and won their first World Series title, he went 36 and a third innings that postseason with a 198 ERA, one NLCS MVP, and then one World Series MVP going 2-0 with a 2-5-1 ERA. Against an Astros team that you and I have both got on the record saying is the best lineup we've ever seen. I think it's the best team of the century, even though they didn't finish it off. Yeah. Um, all told, I mean, you know, he signed that seven-year $245 million deal with the Nets, and they had to do two starts. He had carpal tunnel syndrome, got surgery. The next year got thoracic outlet syndrome after, th- after a couple starts. He's just never been the same since then. Um and to me, and again, it's it's simultaneously, I think, somebody who lived up to his legacy, but it's still a what if. It's very complicated for me. 247 starts, uh, through right, shade under 1,500 innings, 324 ERA, um, three All-Star games, World Series MVP. He's the only Major League Baseball player to be drafted first overall and win World Series MVP. Uh, again, I, I can't call him a bust. Is he a guy? A is he a guy who lived up to his full potential? No, but at the end of the day, he was the best player and led his team to a World Series. There's only a handful of players who ever won LCS and World Series MVP in the same year. Was a multi-time All-Star, finished in the top five of the Cy Young voting um, a couple times, made like $350 million in his career, so cashed out big time. And I just think when you look at the overall overall body of work, uh, you, you definitely think what could have been, but... At the same time, I mostly tip my hat on a guy who, when he was pitching, lived up to the hype in terms of dominance and uh, can ultimately look back and truly be one of the few guys that we could say gave everything for his team to win the big one. It's it's a sad end, but a happy story, I think. It's, look, he – if healthy Strasburg was on pace after that 2019 World Series, what do you think the Bavada odds were that he makes the Hall of Fame? I think it was – he was trending. They was just going to waltz right into the Hall of Fame as soon as he caught. Yeah, I mean, he was trending towards like almost 4,000 strikeouts. Yeah, I think I, I didn't even mean to make the comparison, but I think he's our baseball version of Andrew Luck. But his highs were so much higher. That he like, he did the job. The, you're, when you're a professional athlete, your one objective is tear your team to the championship. And Strasburg did it. He did the hardest thing there is to do in sports. He won the title. He was the best I, player. Yeah, I think one note on, I mean, the 10.5 case per nine is obviously incredible, even as he battled injuries. To me, the most impressive thing was with a guy who had that stuff his whole career, 
a career 4.37 strikeout to walk ratio is really good for a strikeout pitcher like that. He was really good. He uh, he is. He was what we he he he's as good as advertised. When healthy, he was as good as he Adam. was what we thought he was. <laughs> it's just you look through it. There's just some gaps. I mean, those last three seasons, all injury related. I mean, since 2020, he's one and four. Them, them two off seasons in a row, paying Corbin and paying Strasburg $400 million combined is pretty mind-blowing. Well, there's a reason they had to trade off all their stars, and that's and that's probably and those are those are two of them. And no one in their right mind is taking that Corbin contract. Uh no. But don't be sure a- Corbin's still got some years now. I guess he's running out of time. He signed, what, six years going into 2019? Yeah, so he's almost done. Yeah, so... If nothing else at this point, Corbin is just an overpaid veteran to guide these young pitchers. He's the classic, you know, you throw Corbin out there and he gets lit up, but you give your bullpen a day off because he doesn't mind getting lit up. He's getting paid enough. Yep. All right. Um, I have one Yankee note, and I just wanted to gauge your response on Brian Cashman's comments. It was his first time meeting with the media in quite some time Wednesday. Um, and he said, it's been a disaster of the season. And yes, definitely a shock. Certainly, I don't think anybody on our side of the fence from our players, coaches, managers, or even outside the organization would have prevent, uh, predicted this. The Yanks had the highest odds of any American League team to make the postseason coming into the year, 81.2% on fan graphs. Um, they're now 10 games back in the AL wildcard chase, even with the expanded playoffs. Cashman said, we're going to evaluate it all clearly. Unfortunately, we're going to have some time to do that. But I'd say everyone's had a little bit of a hand in it from the top to the bottom. And it's our job to find out where. Obviously, that's going to be tasked with. I met with House Steinbrenner on several occasions already. This is not something we're accustomed or used to. It's definitely going to be a lot of internal assessments going on. Um, He added that um, the group will be objective while taking a hard look at every part of the operation. Adding, that's what losing teams do. It was has a number of different buckets. You got the injury bucket to evaluate if they could have been prevented or not. You got the unexpected poor performance bucket, then everything else, whether it's development, analytics, performance, science, whatever. So there's a lot of different buckets that are going to get evaluated. Um, it's looking like the Yanks are heading towards their first losing season in 30 years. Um, that ranks second in Major League history. Um, Cashman doesn't think they've given up this year, um, saying if the die is cast, so be it. We are what our record says we are. We're certainly not proud of it. It's been a disaster of a season. We're embarrassed by it, but there's still time on the clock for us to find a way to turn it around while we're still active and then learn as much as we could possibly do about the players that are out there and use that in our decision-making process going forward. Not going to spend too much time on this. I, I think it's cash kind of basically in the middle of a losing streak, trying to stoke the flames a little bit or put out the flames a bit. But when you hear comments like that, does it in your mind inspire you that you think there's going to be any change for the Yankees or do we think it's going to be status quo, especially since he said, quote, Aaron Boone has pulled all the right levers this year. That's not good if that's the case. There there has to be changes. If there, there has to be changes. Um, Like from afar, the, the, the lineup the Yankees are rolling out these days is not a major league lineup. You got half the team hitting below two, two forty, and the other three of those guys aren't hitting two hundred. We're pinch hitters batting below one hundred. Um, we're not. We're not an MLB team, which is the fault of GMs. That is the direct response of the GM's inability to do his job at an effective level. That being said, the GM's been here for pushing thirty years now. I would probably say. Like Boone is the easier eye is the easier person to fire. 
I I don't understand the Sean Chase just gave a fist bump. I don't know what that was about. Probably Trey Turner homered, and I've been on him. And you know, fantasy, he's my guy. Cool, cool, cool. Don't give up on your first round picks, people. Um, but look, you, you the fans don't like Boone. People are calling for Boone's job, and I don't think Boone's pulled all the right looks. I don't think Boone does. I don't know whose call it was to bring in Sean Casey, but we hired we fired our hitting coach, hired a new hitting coach, and our hitting works. I don't know who that was. It feels like it was a Boone thing. But if Boone's not assembling a competent staff, not doing the right thing, the like people don't get better when you go to the Yankees. We don't see anybody getting better coming here. The one thing I'm going to say, because I don't want us to drag on about the Yankees, because I still got some more news for us to talk about. I was talking to my grandfather about this today, and I think where it's complicated, less. The one who's kind of with it. Um, <laughs> I I think where it gets complicated is the fact that, like, what you said is totally right. If one of them goes, I think it is Boone. But I think what frustrates us so much about Boone, the complacent-sounding attitude, the flippancy, the lack of accountability is, from the player's standpoint, why they love Boone so much, because while we look at it as, oh, we don't, they don't hold the players accountable, I think they look at it as, oh, Boone's got our back. So I'm interested to see how it plays out, but I was glad to at least hear Cashman take a little bit of accountability. You can take account. It's very easy to take accountability if you're confident uh, that you're not going to lose your job. And I feel like Cashman's much more confident. Cat, it's more likely that Boone goes than Cashman goes. And I think it's more likely you see one go than both. I don't think they're both gone. So if I had told you, uh, changing to the other New York team, that after the 2015 World Series, that within a decade, August 28th, 2023, that only one of the or only two of the Mets' plethora of starters would be consistently making big league starts. What would your reaction have been? After the 2015 World Series? Yeah. Now, within a decade, and really only one, because Steven Matz is not always in the rotation and is on the injured list. So that the only one down the stretch that would be making starts would be Zach Wheeler. What would you have said? If it was, I mean, Wheeler would have been the last pick. Correct. Wheeler would have been the last pick. Matz would have been the second to last pick. Otherwise, you're thinking, oh, Harvey's just hard. I mean, if that's what you said, I would have said Harvey's probably fucked half the city of New York by now. Yeah, well, steady fucked up his nose quite a bit. Um, but this conversation was spurred from the fact that Noah Syndergaard was DFA'd by the Guardians. Um, again, post-Tommy John surgery, this guy's just never been the same. Last year, between the Angels and the Phillies, 3-9-4 ERA and 134 in the third innings. Allowed three runs and eight in the third innings of postseason work. Signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers. We both kind of looked at this as – you know what? Maybe this is the Dodgers' latest reclamation project. 12 starts with the Dodgers, 7-16 ERA, and 55 and a third innings of work, which is less than five innings of starts. Um, got traded to the Guardians for Ahmed Rosario, and 4-9-4 ERA, which was improved, but still 16% below average. Only a 12.5% strikeout rate, and he gave up seven home runs and 27 in the third innings. I think Syndergaard's done, and um, it just shows how one injury could ruin a guy's career because – you know, I, I think when you looked at that Met team, Harvey was the best at the time. DeGrom kind of willed them through that postseason. But I, I think when you looked at the stuff, Syndergaard was the guy you looked at where it's like, man, what is this guy going to do going forward? And it was like 2016. He was the ace for one more year. And that kind of just feels like it was it. I mean, Syndergaard, there's a, he was nicknamed Thor because he looked like a superhero. He looked like Thor. And he pitched like that. You want to have superheroes out there. They're cool. They're fun to rally around. 
Um, but yeah, now he's I see he's completely lost the ability to pitch. Like at this point, I think the thing I remember Thor the I the last since that World Series one, the two things I remember the most about Syndergaard. Um, he did go inning for inning with Mad Bum in the 2016 wild guard game when Mad Bum was at the peak. And then other than that, it's like him being the pitcher when Terry Collins lost his mind when Thor got ejected. I just, I, it just, it's so It ended so sad. He had that very sad tweet when he said, I'd give anything to be my old self again. I mean, he, that's an inside thought he said out loud. He kind of like started at Thor and is retiring as Ant-Man. I... Is that, I, I thought Ant-Man was kind of cool. Like Ant-Man, but small version? It's like Paul Rudd versus Hemsworth, I think, is kind of the point. Take the comedy out of it. People Didn't Paul Rudd win Sexiest Man Alive a couple years ago? All right, next topic. Uh, another veteran who, big part of the AL East, um, as we were coming into our formative baseball years, Adam Jones announced he's retiring as an Oreo on September 15th. He'll sign a one-day contract. Hasn't played in the majors since 2019 um, and played in Japan for two years after that. Hasn't signed anywhere since. Um, was drafted by the Mariners, 37th overall. Was part of a huge five-player trade with the Orioles. Who was he traded for? Do you remember? Was he in the Bedard trade? Eric Bedard. Um, got into 132 games in 08, hitting 373, 11, 400. Um, 2009, that was his breakout year. 19 home runs, 103 WRC+. Uh, was an all-star team and won a gold glove. Next year, 1.5 war, and then which became a really good all-around player. And I would say probably, I mean, you could tell me if I'm wrong, like Marcakis was the longest tenured one. Chris Davis was the bat, was the power. But to me, that buck run from 12 to 16, Adam Jones is the heart and soul of that team. So I'll put it in context of the Batista retiring news last week. It was kind of like when the Yankees were down for a little bit and the Blue Jays and Orioles were both up going it felt like the Blue Jays were the bad guys led by Batista and the Orioles were the good guys with Adam Jones captaining. The Orioles were like the plucky upstarts that you were like, you know what? I'm okay if we do, if we, you know, don't do anything against them. Yeah, good, good. The Baltimore, the little engine that could. Um, and Adam Jones was a huge, great defender, great all He was a 5 tool guy by the end. Of it. He was very good. Signed at, signed at the time, it was the largest contract in franchise history, six years, $85.5 million that ran from 2012 to 18. Um, and was just really consistent, you know, in his entire time as the Oriole. Never played less than 130 games in the season, 37 games in a season um, following 2009. 1,600 games with the Orioles, hit 279, 319, 459, 29.3 fan graph war. I mean, again, the Angels finished below 500 from every year from eight, 98 to 2011. Um, and that finished 500 or better every year from 12 to 16 and made the playoffs three times. Um, Jones played with the D-backs for one year, then signed with the Oryx, Buffaloes, and Japan for two years. Um, but all told, finished with right around 2,000 hits, 282 home runs, 336 doubles, um, 963 runs, 945 ribbies, 97 steals, five all-stars, four gold gloves, sick catch to help the USA win the 2017, w, uh, 2017 WBC. Um, and all in all, again, not a guy who's a guy who if he's, he will be on the Hall of Fame bound and will be one and done, um, but a guy who for the city of Baltimore, probably as meaningful as any player. Is it crazy to say as meaningful as any player in the last 20 years, given Machado left and let's say this side of Wigan? I guess. Um, I, he's, his rep, I so th this is the tough part about doing the research on doing the deep dive live. I uh, 
I am shocked that Adam Jones never hit more than he never hit over 287 in a season. Yeah, I think it was kind of like the average and on base was masked by like a lot of homers. He'd steal some bases. He was always good defensively. And he just had a great the Adam Jones PR team, outstanding job. And he called the Red Sox out on a shit on their racist shit, which is great. The yep. fans. I shouldn't say the team. Great. Yeah. Now he um are the Orioles doing anything for him? That's what I wonder. Like, here's the question. I'm going to look this up real quick. Because they like, should I, do at least what the Blue Jays did for him. He, yeah. he was just based the franchise for a decade. Not going to get his number retired, looking at no. whose numbers are retired. Bautista, I think you could make the argument number retired in Toronto. The problem is with both of these guys, they have like they have cool numbers. You're yeah, not just well, going to give up 10 forever. The problem more so with the Orioles is you have Earl Weaver, inner circle manager, and then five first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, so that's tough. Brooks, Cal, Frank, Robinson, Palmer, Eddie Murray. He would be like, you know what? You know what I would describe him as? To use a Yankee analogy, and then we'll move on. Gets the plaque in Monument Park, but doesn't get the number retired. Yeah, you can't really they're, – they're, you're, unless you just want to gloss over 10 years of Orioles history, Adam Jones is um, – he's, he's, he's on the cover photo. Yep. Uh, we had a suspension this week. Robert Suarez was ejected from uh, Wednesday's win for the Padres over the Marlins after a foreign substance expansion, a, a forward substance inspection. I was called to pitch top of the eighth and was thrown out before throwing a pitch when umpires examined him coming in for the bullpen with first base umpire Todd Ticanora making the call – after the game, he said the right-hander's left wrist had been too sticky, very sticky. Suarez, of course, denied using any illicit substance, saying he'd simply applied a typical amount of sunscreen during a gay game in San Diego. Automatic 10-game suspension, fourth pitcher this year behind Scherzer, Domingo Herman, and Drew Smith. And to me, this puts the final nail in the coffin of what has just been a pretty catastrophic season for the Padres. Doesn't make any sense. It's, it's just one of those Mets, Yankees, Cardinals, Padres, just four things. I, I would have bet, I mean, a parlay of those four teams in the playoffs before the year probably was even. Yeah. And those four were slam dunk playoff teams. I mean, that's just shit happens, I guess, would be the, the sad, just the short version of it. Injuries, you Darvish, 15-day injured list due to right elbow inflammation. Matt Chapman, 10-day injured list due to a sprained right middle finger. Jake Cronenworth, 10-day injured list due to a right wrist fracture. Add those for the Padres now in the coffin. Um, Jaron Duran, 10-day injured with a toe injury. Michael Conforto's trained left hamstring, 10-day injured list. Votto, 10-day injured list due to left shoulder discomfort. J.D. Martinez, injured list due to a groin injury. And I think I'm starting to come around with you on Trout. 10-day injured list due to... Um, I don't even have what the injury is. I think it was a groin injury. Um, came off the injured list for one day, went one for four, and they put it back on. Coincided with the Otani UCL tear. I said this to you yesterday. I think Trout physically got too big, and I think that has to do with the injuries. The early careers, he stole a ton of bags. Speed was a big part of his game. I, I, I mean, again, still an incredible player, but it's like last year he played in 120. It's like the big difference is last year he plays in 120 games. 40 homers, 80 ribbies. OPS was still 999. This to me is the first year that at 31, it's okay. This isn't just injuries. Is this guy declining? 263, 367, 490 slash line. I mean, an 858 OPS and 130 OPS plus for like 90% of baseball would be incredible. But 
again, age 31, you're not supposed to be going into decline yet. So uh, a lot Seriously. of red flags with Trout. All right, so I'm the number one Mike Trout hater, correct? Yes. No one hates. I'm just going to 2 2 1 2 1 4 2 1. Those are his MVP finishes, his first eight seasons. That's pretty good. But it's like, yeah, he's. I, I, what I just said about Adam Jones, you, can t- you can't tell the story of a decade's worth of Baltimore Rose without featuring Adam Jones. You can probably go through the entire history of Major League Baseball and just omit Mike Trout. He has done absolutely nothing. He has done nothing. He hasn't won a single playoff game. And if this is like I, I I'm not I, willing I, to go that far, but <laughs> done nothing, man. I really if I had a Hall of Fame vote, if this is it, like, like if this is it, if this is the decline, if he I'm you know, I, I'm not voting for first ballot a Hall of Fame. He he hasn't won a playoff game. Neither did Ernie Banks. Yeah, but they didn't change the rules when Ernie Banks played to let every team in the league in. Fair. Yeah, it's just interesting to see this decline. All right, some miscellaneous news, the tweets of the week. Um, just a quick wander update. He's officially on the administrative list as of Tuesday. Um, they could, he's going to be paid in a crew service time while on leave. There's no set time, so that's kind of kicking it down the can there. Um, the Brewers made a significant push to acquire Pete Alonso um, at the trade deadline. Um, and Alonzo's future with the Mets remains a major question. Bob Nightingale says he expects a trade during the offseason. What do you make of all this? Because to me, do I think Pete's age game might age great? No, but uh, to me, he's the Mets equivalent of Judge. And I, I think Cohen, if he lets Pete go or trades him, you lose a lot of the good faith you got by you know pulling the plug of the deadline this year. I, w- I wouldn't move him. I wouldn't move him for the type of move you did Scherzer Verlander. If you're moving Pete, I would want two ready to go me. I trade him. I trade the dollar of Pete for two sixty cents. The A's might need to share Oracle Park with the Giants this upcoming season. Um, from twenty five to twenty twenty seven, they may not have a stadium. The Oakland Coliseum lease expires in twenty twenty four, and the Vegas ballpark isn't expected to be ready until twenty twenty eight. If you're the Giants, I would just tell the A's to go fuck themselves. They're not a team that I would want is sharing, unless they're paying an exorbitant amount of money, which John Fisher hasn't done for anything. I'd say figure it out. Go play at your minor league stadium. You've ruined the game for a lot of fans. I'd say figure it out. I'd say they should adopt the carnival model. They should just go have pop-up shops in different stadiums every year. They could be the Vancouver A's one year, the Portland A's, then what other A's could we have? Albuquerque A's, if you want to be alliterative. A lot of A's options. Mets retiring two numbers. They announced they're retiring Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry's numbers last next summer. Um, That's going to be an epic party. Yeah, I definitely want to make sure I'm there for that. Um, they previously had a rule that only not only Hall of Famers would get their numbers retirement, but since Jerry Kuzman and Keith Hernandez have gotten their numbers retired, um, Good Strawberry uh, was first overall pick in the 80s, spent eight of his 17 years with the franchise. Rookie of the year, seven all-star teams consecutively. Has the Mets franchise record for home runs. Doc, fifth overall in 82. Cy Young, rookie of the year, second behind Tom Seaver and wins and strikeouts. Um, I had a Met fan friend, an adult, like one of my dad's friends, who said, this feels desperate. What do you think? To me, they're huge parts of the 80s World Series teams, and yeah, maybe it is a little def- this desperate, but Cohen's got to get asses in seats next summer. I mean, it could be desperate and the right thing to do. Those two are mutually exclusive. It's, it's D- Doc and Daryl. They're 
those are as I, for anyone your dad's friend's age, like those are the two studs you grew up with. Those are the two, those are the last two guys that brought a World Series to the Mets. Iconic. All right, tweet to the week. Bobby Witt is now one of seven players, 23 or younger, with a 25 homer, 35 steal season, and the fifth shortstop ever. I think Bobby Witt is going to be officially on that level of Julio, Corbin Carroll, Adley, et cetera, next season. I think he's there now. If you look at the numbers, it's just very tough to do it when you play in Kansas City. Luis Castillo against the White Sox on 821. His final 47 pitches were fastballs. How'd that work out for him? Good. I think he went seven innings, one run. Perfect. During their winning streak, the Mariners had 93 hits, 39 extra base hits, 17 home runs, and 13 steals, which no other team in LB history has done over a seven-game span. First team since the Dodgers in July 2017 to have two eight-game winning streaks within one month. Um, coming into this week, Kyle Schwarber had more singles um, than home runs, but he only had uh, – coming into um, – August 22nd, he had 36 singles, 33 homers. One of the most fascinating baseball seasons in recent memory. It's, he is the definition of boomer bust, but he booms a lot. Paul Goldschmidt had his 10th 20-plus homer this season, can, his 20-homer season. Can you name the other active players on that list? 10? 10 plus seasons of 20-plus homers. There's one, two, three, four, five other ones other than Goldschmidt. Arenado? Nope. Machado. I think Arenado and Machado are eight. Yeah, not yet. Um, Miggy. Are they consec- consecutive? Nope, just 10 plus. That's a Miggy. Um, I don't. Trout? Nope. Votto? Nope. Uh, rough start. I don't think Stan's been around enough. He's one. I guess okay, Stan. Two MVP first baseman. Two MVP. Jose Abreu? Nope. Freddie? And Paul Goldschmidt. Longo and Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is so – he's barely active. From the Yankees uh, – this is from Talking Yanks, Katie Sharp and Optostats. Last time the Yankees lost nine straight games was 1982, where no one on the current Yankee roster was alive. It's the first time in franchise history they had a nine-game span within a season with nine losses and fewer than 50 hits. And they're the only team in the modern era to have a player enter the game with a sub-100 average Ben Rortvet go two for two or better with the rest of the team going hitless. Bad week for the Yanks. Um, MLB Pipeline, shout-out to Ethan Salas, who at 17 years old had his first double-A hit, and it was a walk-off. Fewest games to 10 homers and 20 steals since – or fewest career games, 40-plus homers – or 10-plus homers, 20-plus steals since 1900. Barry Bonds had the record at 65. Ellie De La Cruz now has it at 64. Rockies are the only MLB team in modern era to hold the lead in six, sixth inning or later. It's six straight games, but lose all six. Garrett, Garrett Cole is now tied Justin Verlander uh, for the most games in AL history with 10 strikeouts and no walks with 20 apiece. Uh, Nolan Chenille is the first rookie to reach safely eight plus times in a doubleheader since Matt Suey in 2003. From Optostats, Farmer Valdez, the second MLB pitcher in the modern era to have two games in the same month with seven-plus innings and no hits allowed, joining Johnny Vandermeer through back-to-back no-hitters. Parker Meadows of the Tigers is the only MLB player to hit a walk-off three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth for his first career ribby. Uh, Ronald Acuna has more steals than three MLB teams this year. Freddie and Mookie are the only pair of teammates in MLB history with 105-plus runs, 20-plus homers, and 10 steals before September. Uh, and Freddie has 50 doubles in 129 games, the fastest since Todd Helton in 2000. 
From Codify, Yuri Perez is only the fourth pitcher at his age or younger, 20 years and 133 days, to have multiple starts with six-plus innings and two or fewer few hits and no earned runs in a single season. Most home runs by a catcher since May 31st with 18. Go. Dal Raleigh. Gary Sanchez. Ah. Uh, Corbett Carroll is the fourth rookie in MLB history with 20 homers and 40 steals, joining Tommy Agee, Mitchell Page, and Trout. Yanks are the third team since 1901 with four games with two hits or fewer in a 10-game span. Um, coming into 2020, there was only uh, – the only player in MLB history to have 30-plus homers and bat under 200 was Mark Reynolds. Um, two could do that this year, Max Muncy and Kyle Schwarber. Um, this is from Jeff Passan. On Friday night, there were 4,390 pitches thrown across the major leagues. And for the first time on the day with a full slate of games, there were zero pitch clock violations, attendance is up. Game time is down. The rules are arousing success. And um, for those of you who are feeling down about Otani, he tore his UCL, has a 1,500 OPS since then, and it was the first player since 97 to have two runs, two walks, two steals, a double and a triple in a single game. Hats off, Rob. Hats off, Otani. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? I'm good. I will say college football is back. Go Bruins against Coastal. Congrats Welcome. to Hook'em Horns, Texas is back. And uh, congrats to Mark and Audrey. Looking forward to attending your wedding this weekend. Uh, with Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Gorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs>